Welcome to Your True North, a program that explores how values act as a compass directing our lives and work. Inspiring guests tell how key events and influential figures shaped their values and how they've used those values to create a life rich in meaning, accomplishments, and personal satisfaction. Your True North is hosted by Cindy Camp. Are you seeking your true north? Then welcome. Welcome to Your True North, a show that explores how values act as a compass for life's journey. I'm your host, Cindy Camp, and today I will be talking with Julie Anderson, the mother of a son, Eric, who's currently serving a sentence of juvenile life without parole. Eric was incarcerated in 1995 when he was 15 years old. He is now 36. Anderson is the founder and coordinator of CRIIC, or CRIC, which stands for Communities and Relatives of Illinois Incarcerated Children. Anderson is one of the founding members of the Restore Justice Illinois Board, a group that is working to reform criminal justice laws. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Your True North, Julie Anderson. Yeah, and I want to ask you just, and, and I maybe should have asked earlier, so I know you work um, with family members, especially mothers of children who are serving um, prison sentences, but it sounds like you also sometimes have sat with victim family members. Are those completely separate groups, or do you ever kind of bring those groups together? They are separate groups. I have my group, which is um, offender family members, and... Um, there's a lot of them who claim innocence and there's a lot of strong feelings. And then Sister Donna holds a group of mothers who have lost children to either violence or to the system, to the okay. prison system. And that's Sister Donna Liette at Precious Blood, right? That's Sister Donna Liette, okay. yes. Yeah. So she has a, a group that meets once a month that I belong to. They are separate groups. I would probably invite some of my moms to go, but I never feel like... I could invite all of them at once because there's a lot of them. And mm -hmm. I just feel, oh, that might overwhelm the victims. Moms, mm -hmm. I remember um, the one victim, mom, she lost her 14-year-old son um, to a gun violence in the city. And one of the first circles she sat in and, you know, I talked about the holidays coming up and how you just when you categorize they I think we'd started out the circle with oh how are you today between one and ten and you know I had said a great day for me would be a seven I could never be a ten you know and um because um Eric is locked away and and we talked and this and that and she got to her turn and she said she'd lost her son I hadn't realized that and it was kind of like I was like oh gosh I want to run out of the room now but we really had a meeting of minds, her and I, and she just said, I never realized how much you lose your children, too. And um, since then, we're great friends. We really, um, and she'll say, you know, you get to hug your son. You know, yeah. I get that. Yeah. You know, I do get to hug him, which is different. But then again, it's not easier to watch someone you love, like, die a little bit every day. Every time you go visit them and you walk away, you think, oh, you know. Another, you should be doing this. And, right, another month, another year. And, and, and I can imagine that, that that sense of finality about this this sentence of life yeah. without parole has got to create a lot of feelings of, I know you hold out hope that maybe things could change, but I would also imagine there's just that constant fighting against a sense of hopelessness as well. Yeah, and one of the biggest things is uh, in our group, and 
almost all the moms will say this is you always have to hope for the worst thing that a parent could hope for that you outlive your children Mm -hmm. because who is going to take care of them but the mom and do i want to leave that legacy to my daughter oh now you gotta go and i know some sisters like that we have some sisters in our group Mm -hmm. they took over their mom passed away and they took over for their mom and that's a horrible legacy to leave your daughter that now you have to take care of them you have to send them fifty dollars a month for commissary and you have to make time out of your life when you're raising kids to go visit them and so you just and it's a terrible thing to think about. Well, there's yeah, there's layers to it and things <laughs> yeah. that I think most of us don't really until you're in those shoes, you don't necessarily think or or have to think about some of these other aspects of having a a loved one who's serving a a prison sentence. I I wanted to ask you a little bit too about some of the other work that you're involved with, the board that you're on. I know you're working hard to change some of these laws here in Illinois. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a great board. Um, it's headed by Joby Cates. Um, she's the founder, and she's just passionate. She's from Human Rights Watch originally. Mm. And what happened was uh, she was working with our coalition and before she founded this. And one of my big things for many of these people who are working on this is you need to come and meet the guys you're working for. Mm-hmm. They're not monsters. Mm-hmm. They're quite the opposite. They're not John Wayne Gacy or, you know, these are kids that made a really bad mistake and they've grown up and they've changed. And she went down and she met some of these guys, um, my son included, but other ones. And it kind of changed her life. She's like that compassionate. And so she started the group. We were able to raise enough money to hire a lobbyist to try to. And we have some great people from Northwestern Law School and other law schools to help, you know, devise a law. Because in 2012, the United States Supreme Court said that mandatory life without parole for anyone under 18 is unconstitutional. It It's cruel and unusual punishment. Mm-hmm. So in Illinois, they had to do something because we don't have parole. So we got one law passed uh, our, last year that took off what's it's kind of crazy in Illinois, just a little brief thing. Homicide carries, murder carries 20 years. If you use a gun, it's an automatic enhancement of 25 years. That's 45 years automatically, not 20 years. It's 45 years. You serve 100% for a class X felony. So they were able to remove some of the automatic enhancements so that the judge could look at it and perhaps not add Mm. that 25 years. So the judge Um, would have the discretion. He has some discretion. It's a step. I probably, I'm on the board and I'm a mom, so I always think we should do more. Got to do more. Got to know that's not enough. We have another law coming in, State Bill 2470. And we're looking at, because brain science says under 25, not 18. Right. So that's our group under 25. Right. And I, I'm familiar with some of that research, too, that says that until a person is about 25 years old, their brain is still developing and we can't really consider them to be an adult. So it challenges all these ideas we of have 18 about yeah, 18 or 21. Or, right. <laughs> right. So it's a great thing. But it also means that, um, yeah, that we got it wrong in some of these areas and that, you know, there is work to do. And that age, 18 or 21, was just an age arbitrarily picked. They could have picked 15. They could have picked 30. They picked 18 for no reason. There was no basis when those ages were developed. 
So we took 25 and we also took uh, 40 years or more, not life. Because mm-hmm. it's great. The guys who have life are getting resentenced and we hope and pray that they will get something less than life. Okay. Because it's life without parole. Right. It's the without yeah, we don't parole have parole in that, Illinois. Yeah. We don't have parole, oh, contrary to what many mm. people think. Okay. We have determinate sentences and mm. class X felonies serve 100%. Some felonies or sentences serve 50%, 60, 75. But it's preset. It isn't like you go before a parole board uh-huh. and they say, oh, well, you've been good. So now we're going to let you out. Okay. It's preset. Wow. It's, it's called determinate sentencing. That's what we have in Illinois. We haven't had parole since the 70s. We asked under 25, Mm -hmm. which is a huge mountain to climb. But again, I'm a mom, so I want under 25. Yeah, so under 25 being that you couldn't sentence someone under 25 to to a a determinate sentence with no parole. Right. Okay. And we also asked for anyone serving 40 or more years. And what we asked for is that the state reinstitute some type of parole. Mm -hmm. What that would look like, there's varying opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would it be judicial? Would they go before a judge or would they go before a parole board? And if they went before a parole board, what would the criteria be to be put on that board? I mean, you wouldn't want to be just the warden's wife. Uh, you might want to have someone who's a child psychologist mm-hmm. or you know, something with brain development. So that's our goal is to get anyone serving 40 or more years because we consider that life. Mm-hmm. And they were under age 25 when they were sentenced for up to three reviews. Just one at 15 years, one at 20, and then what we call a a humane review at like 50 years old, which I don't, I I always think, well, now the state doesn't want them anymore because they're 50 or 60. They don't want to take care of them. Yeah. Uh, But our prisons are overwhelmingly full here. Yeah. And it's a good time to be looking at these issues and to be proposing new legislation because we know nationally there's a lot um, of scrutiny about who's sitting in jail, who, how long are these sentences, why were people put in jail, um, and, and a lot of movement toward releasing, um, you know, some, at least some inmates and saying, you know, this really isn't the right place. And, and so I, it sounds like maybe the timing would be good. Are, are you optimistic that this? Oh, yeah, I am optimistic. Again, um, the U.S. Supreme Court's come down with some really strong rulings on children and sentencing. And the last one, Montgomery, came out this year. And they were really, really kind of said, don't do this anymore. Mm. It's kind of a funny thing I found. Everyone can put themselves in, well, if my child was killed, I know I'd want them locked up mm. forever. If my, But no one ever puts themselves in the other thing. What if yours is a child that did it? Mm-hmm. Where, what would you want for your child? Would you want them locked up forever? No one ever, ever can go down that path. They never do. I I get it, I guess. Yeah. Well, you're right. Maybe it's our worst. Well, they're both terrible fears that something happens to your child, but also that your child does something. But to admit that your child would be in the wrong is a certain (laughs) vulnerability on your part as a parent to realize, you know, despite my best efforts, things happen. and, And children sometimes do make bad choices. We don't have ultimate control. So yeah, maybe for a lot of people, it's just hard to even, even, you know, sort of let yourself think about that. But I'm sure that that is very difficult for you when you see how few people can really empathize with the shoes that you stand in. Right. Yeah, they don't. They just don't. And a lot of times, it does fall back to the parents. I read, you know, Facebook has been 
(laughs) And I don't know why people just think they can voice whatever they want on it. But sometimes you just think, wow, really? You're that harsh? Oh, you know, just anything. Well, where are their parents? Why weren't their parents? Mm. You know, for kids just getting into mischief. and, And teenagers get into mischief. Well, those years are for exploring and testing and, and sort of separating from family and, you know, becoming independent. So it's it's a perilous bridge. It's a very, um, you know, tough time in life. And you're right. I mean, most teenagers do get into some kinds of trouble. Um, and, and again, that sort of situational a child who's in the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, impulsive sort of thinking that leads them to do something that yeah, it would be so out of character in many other situations. So I'm sure that that, that makes it really tough um, for you, but also to see that most people aren't willing to, to acknowledge that. Um, I'm wondering, because we're talking about Illinois and we're talking about crime here, and we know there's been such a lot of handgun violence and you know, so many people killed in, in the state of Illinois in the past year, in Chicago especially. Any reflections about violence, about young people what what you see i you know i just think that this will come down to dollars and cents but um i think if we put on the tax rolls how we put schools and how much money we spend and how on your tax bill it says parks and how much money we spend if we put on their prisons mm-hmm. and people saw how much money we spend mm-hmm. on prisons and locking people away perhaps if they and it's great to close prisons but when they close prisons, the money needs to come back to the community. Mm. I People need training. They need a safe place to go. Kids need a safe place to go. So they need more money probably invested in schools. I think it comes down to that. And I've often said, like for my son Eric, um, you know, warehousing him is a burden on taxpayers. And right. it really doesn't – I don't think it honors his victims. I mm. think – that he, were he ever to be released, he owes those girls something. And that would be to try to change one or two lives. Mm. And I think if you had more people out there working, mentoring one or two kids, and it's hard with teenagers. So maybe we need to start even younger because they kind of don't, they kind of know everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So sometimes it is hard, but... Just because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't try. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, more more effort on the front end to keep kids out of um, jail, to keep them away from crime, but also then, sounds like you're saying also more help on the for those who leave prison, for those who need help finding jobs, finding housing, that we, we also help people transition back into, quote-unquote, normal life. Yeah, reentry would be huge. And imagine if we let a lot of these men who are in prison Mm-hmm. re-enter our society and become working members of society and imagine if then they took care of their sons that are out there yeah and we had that male influence for them because right. i really think for boys it's I, I i know there's girls and we did have one girl who was um sentenced to life without parole um she recently got um, a new sentence, so mm-hmm. she has to do 31 and a half years, so mm-hmm. she has seven more to go. But she was our only girl. It's encouraging to know that your group, your the groups that you're working with, are, are making some efforts both in terms of supporting families and also trying to change laws so that fewer people are 
locked up. Um, you know, whereas you're saying there's not much room for rehabilitation for some of them. Have you found in your son's case, has he been able to do any kinds of education, job training, anything like that while he has been in prison? You know, it's no, um, because of the length of his sentence. Uh, he got his GED when he was in Cook County when he was first locked up before he was sentenced to um, a state prison. Uh, but in the maximum security prisons, they don't um, offer very many programs. And the ones they do offer, they don't offer to people serving extremely long sentences, mm. especially life, because why bother with them? Mm. You know, they don't need to have anything. He um, he actually uh, got a job. So some jobs are available, but they're hard to get if you're serving a long sentence. And what kind of work does he do? He actually, it's kind of crazy. He's a TV repair person. Oh. He repairs electronics, wow. um, which is self-taught. And I, you know, from what, how challenged I am. Yeah. And this is someone who's never, except for now work, had never seen a computer. He's never oh. really seen a cell phone. Wow. It was locked up in 1995. Right. Cell phones were just coming out. And yeah. We really didn't have laptop well we didn't have laptops or anything yeah well that's great that he's been able to to use some of his abilities in that way i think what stands out in your life is that you've allowed yourself to get close to people that you maybe you know very different from your own background you know other parents who have children sitting in prison where you've allowed yourself to get to know them and as you talk about your values have evolved they've they've grown you know and changed with your life and i don't think that's true of everyone so. no it's certainly not. No. I'll, I'll, I'll close with a question about what you're most proud of. Oh, gosh. What I'm most proud of. Um, I would say evolving and getting to know prisoners um, and actually knowing about the prison system and maybe how to maneuver a little bit. It's, it's, it's a difficult system. And, of course, um, which I had questioned a lot, but being a mom, you know, I have my three children and they're all great in their own way. And that's, I had many doubts about that about 20 years ago mm. because I always thought, oh, you know, being a mom is probably the most important role that you can take on in your life. And I thought, oh my gosh, I failed miserably at this. But um, when I see my kids, I think, oh, you know, they're pretty good. Even the one in prison is, he's kind of a remarkable person. You know, we grew up in the worst circumstances, and he actually is a caring human being. Yeah. And when you say grew up, you mean his teenage years spent in yeah, prison. He yeah, he grew up in a very bad place. He's, he's still on his feet, and he's 36, and I think I'll be hopeful with you that maybe, yeah. you know, <laughs> maybe that life without parole changes for, for him. So um, thank you so much for joining me today, Julie Anderson. It was a great Great um, honor to talk with you. And um, to all of you out there, I hope that you'll join me again for another episode of Your True North. Thank you. You've been listening to Your True North with Cindy Camp. The opinions expressed on today's episode are not necessarily those of WXAV 88.3 FM, St. Xavier University, or the producers of Your True North. For a copy of today's program, you can download it as a podcast by visiting yourtruenorthpodcasts.com. Thank you very much for listening to Your True North.